0: Chapter 17 Perfect Love. In the morning of June 14th, 1975, Sam waited nervously in the long hall below the Salt Lake Temple. His clothing entirely white, his heart raced like a chariot of fire, and his eyes continually pulled with tears. He had tried all his life to imagine this moment, this frightening celestial moment. He had rehearsed and replayed this image in his mind a thousand times, and each had been less in every respect than what he felt now. He had imagined less fear, less nervousness, less love, less sheer joy. A rustle of skirts to him was like the parting of the veil, and he turned to see the heaviness of all God's creations coming toward him in a wedding dress. Oh, how he strained to imprint that image in his mind, to remember every detail, every nuance of her beauty, the glow of her righteousness, the halo of love that surrounded her face. He wanted to be able to replay this moment every day of his life, and remembered the intensity of the love that was now filling his soul to overflowing. Surrounded by his mother, family, and friends, Princess walked toward him like a glorious preview of the second coming. Her dress was rich and full, made, entirely made of lace with thousands of lace rosebuds in an intricate pattern. He marveled, wondered, and felt his heart race. She was lovelier than any dream mortal man could devise. Awake her asleep, and she came to him of all people. He reached out to her and felt her silken hands slide into both of his. He pulled her to him and was immediately hindered by billowing lace. He laughed to himself for joy, happiness, and love, and leaned forward to kiss her lightly her face was radiant her lips moved without making a sound i love you she whispered it was the most perfect thing he could she could have said princess had received her endowments that morning sam had been there heard her say the words repeated them with her at the dividing of worlds and seen her step through the eternities to meet him glorious was too small a word to describe that moment and the promises were richer and more profound than he had ever realized the symbolism was deep and eternally significant He wondered what it all meant and longed for a day when the promises were all granted. Almost as if the world skipped a step, Sam found himself holding Princess's hand across the altar, her face a halo of love and serenity. He listened to the words of the ceremony with rapt attention, trapping them in his mind and heart. He had never heard such beautiful words or such profound promises and pronouncements. It was as if the Savior himself was pronouncing the vast promises and Sam knew, as he never knew anything else before, that they were true. Was it a minute, an hour, or an eternity later, he heard God's authorized spokesman say the words that made Princess his for time and eternity? Sam leaned across the altar, cradled her face in his hands, and kissed her as if all the love had to be expressed in that single act. He heard, saw, and felt, and knew nothing else but that she was his forever. A hand suddenly rested on his shoulder and demanded his attention. His father laughed and suggested saving some for later. Sam chuckled and reluctantly surrendered her face. He, she opened her eyes to him as if awakening from a dream. Her eyes childlike with utter joy. So much in the next so much happened in the next few hours that the newlyweds almost had no time to see each other. They zoomed from place to place, from breakfast to lunch to friends' houses and homes again, and then to receptions, photos, gifts and thank yous. Night fell suddenly and then it was goodbye. When at last they climbed into their car and drove away, they were exhausted. They drove the short distance to the Hotel Utah, which was east of the Salt Lake Temple, and checked in. They knelt in prayer beside their bed, fell atop in fully clothed, and were soon sound asleep. Sam awoke with a start to the warmth of sunlight in the room. He sat up in a daze. It took several moments to remember where he was and how he had gotten there. A memory seized him and left him spellbound for a split second before he turned to the bed beside him, or behind him. Only a white wedding dress lay there, carefully arranged. It was then that he realized the door to the bathroom was closed. He could hear soft movements beyond it and felt his heart quicken with anticipation, fear, passion. So complex were his emotions that the only feeling he was entirely sure of was love. On the other side of the door, and on hers, love was the power of life. The door stayed closed, stayed closed for a long time until he wondered if he might actually be vacant and Princess had fled. He lifted the phone and ordered breakfast for two. He had lived in the same house with his new bride for the last year and knew exactly what she liked. He ordered it in every side and trimming he could think of. It was more food than ten people could eat. The bathroom drawer clicked softly just as he hung up the phone. It opened slowly and the angel stepped into the room. For a moment his heart stopped. His eyes glued themselves open and he felt his face heating up. He had never seen so lovely a creature as his princess as she walked slowly toward him. He stood to meet her, and she came to him, her arms open wide. They held one another for nearly an eternity, their hearts melting into a single, inseparable whole. He kissed her, slowly, softly, tenderly, until the world ceased to exist except her love, which she gave to him completely, utterly, passionately, and perfectly. Sam and Princess had no recollection of receiving or eating breakfast and lunch, yet the carts of half-eaten food testified to the reality of their having done so. "'It was hard to do, very hard. "'Anyone who has tried it will testify "'it's nearly impossible to pack a suitcase "'when you can't look at the luggage "'because your eyes are glued in your worship "'to your new spouse's face. "'But somehow, perhaps as a result of a miracle, "'they both left the room with most of their possessions.' "'His last comment to his bride "'as they closed the door to their honeymoon suite was, "'I wonder what housekeeping is going to think "'when they see the mess we left behind. "'They're going to be jealous,' she replied shyly. He sighed and she laughed softly like a wind chime in the distance. She looped her arm around his. They should be, my princess, if they knew, they surely would be. I'm going to hear you say that when you are eighty years old, she whispered in his ear. He felt a thrill of delight travel up his back. He couldn't help sighing again. For the fabric of his soul, he believed her, and it thrilled him through and through. As far as their family knew, they were really... No, really... They were flying to Hawaii for two weeks. In reality, Hawaii was a jump on their way to Paris, Switzerland, Greece, and South Africa. Having been raised a struggling farmer's son, it was hard for him to admit, no, adjust to the idea, that the least of their concerns was financial. In the eight months since Princess had started importing diamonds, they, actually she, had done far better than well. His demure bride, however, had grown up in affluence, and seemed perfectly at ease with the astronomical prices demanded to dip one's tongue in the syrupy sweetness of luxury. They flew, ate, slept, and honeymooned first class. They spent more money during those two weeks than he could have earned in a year of building houses. It didn't really matter, for life had been good beyond reason. Beyond their wildest dreams, beyond any hope of permanency, it was a walk in the full sunshine of utter happiness and wild joy. It was paradise, and they rejoiced in its perfection. The Atlantic's cold waters churned 30,000 feet below them. Sam hovered somewhere between sleep and wakefulness. He had been watching Princess sleep for almost an hour, and it seemed as if she grew more precious with each breath she drew. She was lying on her side facing him, and she found... No, he found that he could not sleep with her this close. Their honeymoon had been more glorious than anything he could have imagined. He had been invited with passion into a new and glorious world pre- previously unknown to him, and he found himself in a constant state of giddy happiness. Being married was everything he had hoped it would be, a thousand times better. Without reservation, he considered himself the luckiest man alive. At that moment, Princess's eyes flickered open, and a smile transformed her face when she realized she had, he had been watching her. Her hand gently touched his cheek and flopped sleepily back into her lap. "'Why do you watch me so?' She, "'You could give a girl a complex,' she said, her voice indistinct from sleep. She was like a sleeping child, and he chuckled. "'I find I can't sleep with you near when there is light in the room.' "'Oh, why not?' she asked, straightened and, and stretching in her seat. "'Because I feel like we're the luckiest people on earth,' he replied after a moment's silence. "'I don't want to even think like that,' her voice was suddenly summer. "'How come?' Well, because luck is fickle and temporary and eventually turns bad. I don't want to be lucky. I just want to enjoy the good things while they are mine. That would be sufficient for me. Me too, he agreed. But that is that really what you believe? That happiness is temporary? On some level, I do. I guess I've been here before. Well, not nearly this happy and not nearly this in love. But I've seen happiness turn to tragedy more than once, she quietly concluded. Like when your mother died, Sam asked? Yes. And when your father kicked you out of the house, why are you bringing up these unhappy moments at such a happy, uh, why are you bringing up these unhappy memories at such a happy moment? I don't want to think about those things. Her voice sounded pouty, not angry. Sorry, I only wanted to understand your personal philosophy about happiness. I understand. I'm not angry. I, I don't think I could ever be angry with you. Let's change the subject." This she said with a hand on his knee. It felt good there, and he placed his hand on hers to soak up as much of her as he could. Are you afraid of happiness, he asked. She gave him a stern look and smiled. I thought we were going to change the subject. Are you? He asked, ignoring her protest. My love, I could give you a thousand word essay on my attitude of about happiness. Distill it to one word. Just one? Please, he said. She took that moment to readjust her skirt and push a loose strand of hair out of her face princess opened her mouth her face suggesting a long explanation just one word he reminded her in a word yes she said forcefully throwing her hands into the air in frustration then more subdued she added i sometimes get the feeling that god does not want me to be happy for very long every time something gets wonderful it goes away usually violently i guess whenever i feel strong happiness i begin to resent god because i fear he is going to take it away from me it's almost as if he doesn't want me to be happy about anything except him it makes it hard for me to have great faith in him sometimes. Does that make me th- make you think any less of me? Nothing you could say could make me think less of you. See? See why I love you? You always know the perfect thing to say to make my heart sing. Princess sat quietly for a while. Sam wanted to ask her more, to assure her that he would never let tragedy strike her again. But he knew it was not within his power to promise such a thing. Still, he was pained for her unhappy outlook on things. Finally... She looked at him squarely in the eyes. "Tell me something. Are you afraid of happiness?" Even though he had broached the subject, Sam was taken aback when it was his turn. He hadn't he had to think hard to come up with the correct answer. Most of all, he had to push aside some pride to give her an honest answer. "Afraid isn't the right word." I'm he began, but she wagged a finger in his face. "In a single word," she insisted, "then I would have to say no." "Really? I'm surprised from the stories you tell." You have had some awful things happen to you. Not really, he disagreed. Oh, what about Jimmy's death? What about those guys beating you up at the lake and trying to hurt your sister? What about you being whipped on your mission and thrown in jail? What about those things? Don't they make you doubt that happiness can be permanent? Something occurred to him, and he asked a new question rather than answering hers. Is that why you are so intense and passionate about enjoying life, love, money, and beauty, because you think they will all end abruptly? Not fair, she said. The court directs the witness to answer the question, he said sternly. (laughs) Princess smiled and sat up rigidly in her seat. Yes, your rudeness, I am guilty. I intend to squeeze every milliliter of happiness from my life while it is available to me. I'm passionate about things because they don't last. That's kind of sad, he said. Tripe, she said sternly, and it made him laugh. Tripe is a filthy-tasting dish made from the lining of sheep's stomach. It tastes so bad that it had become a common curse to define something as such. Sam had eaten, or more correctly, had tried to eat tripe in Africa, so the curse was graphic to him. "'You owe me an answer,' she insisted. "'What was the question?' "'Haven't the awful things in your life given you the sense that happiness is temporary?' "'Oh, kind of.' "'Then how can you say that you are not afraid of happiness?' You know it won't last, and the happier you become, the more devastating the inevitable disaster is. Sam turned as far as he could in his seat until their knees were touching. He took her hand and gently massaged it as he tried to answer her question. There was a time in my life when I agreed with you. I sometimes went to the extent of avoiding happiness because I didn't want to experience the misery and unhappiness I thought it would inevitably follow. Yes, that's how I am sometimes, but you said that's how you used to be. What's different now? "'I discovered what true happiness is,' he replied. "'Really? Tell me what it is,' she said playfully. "'Sam laid his hand back in his seat. "'True happiness is finally understanding who you are in God's eyes. "'It is thereafter knowing you are worthy and acceptable before the Lord "'and feeling his love to the marrow of your bones.' "'Princess looked disappointed. "'I thought you were going to say something incredibly romantic, you know, "'like, loving me was true happiness.' "'Loving you is the most wonderful emotion I have ever experienced "'and by far the sweetest thing that has happened to me. "'That's why I thought you were going to say for the first time,' she said happily. "'Then her mood turned serious. "'I don't understand why having my love isn't the ultimate happiness. "'I know you don't, and I'm not sure I can explain it in a way you can. "'I'm not sure anyone can understand it without experiencing it, "'but your fear that God will take away happiness you achieve "'is a part of what I'm trying to say.' "'Keep trying until I get it,' she said. "'It made him laugh.' Okay, suppose you were a parent and had a beautiful little girl about four years old. Hmm, I like this scenario. I plan to make it come true. Me too. Well, suppose our beautiful daughter discovered chocolate. The first time she tasted it, she fell in love with it and thought it was the ultimate happiness in life. As her mother, would you forbid her to eat chocolate? No, of course not. Let's add to the picture. In time your daughter became so addicted to chocolate that she thought it was the most wonderful thing on earth, Princess laughed. Who's been telling you about my childhood? I was like that once. Aha, true confession. Princess laughed. Get on with your story. This imaginary daughter sounds adorable. It gets better. Your daughter refuses to eat anything but chocolate. You can see that her health will be affected by her addiction. Would you become concerned? Would you begin to restrict the amount of chocolate she could have? Yes, of course. Do you think your daughter would understand or or appreciate your restriction her chocolate diet? I'm sure she would fight it. Might she think that you are mean or cruel? I know I would if I were that child. But since you have greater wisdom and and you love your daughter enough to risk making her hate you, you take away the very thing she thinks is necessary for her happiness. Princess sat quietly for a moment before replying, I hadn't thought of it that way. I can see why Heavenly Father would do that. Even if we don't understand that, too much happiness can hurt us. What I don't understand is how having... A loving home or a baby brother still alive or other things that appear to be good would be harmful to us. Sam clasped his hands and shoved them into his lap. He arched his shoulders and then relaxed. Princess, I don't know the answers to all these things. I'm not claiming to know why everything happens or if those things we lose were actually bad for us. What I do know is that in order for us to achieve the ultimate happiness... The eternal type of happiness that we are capable of, we must be absolutely focused on Jesus Christ. I think what happens isn't so much that everything we lose was bad for us, but that we still are not aligned with the gospel. He studied her intently and then continued, Perhaps it's just that our temporary joys make us complacent and we think that we have all we need and we don't realize our total dependence on God. It seemed to me that our trials kept us from being lulled into foolishly trusting in ourselves and becoming spiritually immobile. I know that when I am comfortable and happy in my life, I don't want anything to change, even if it means progressing to greater happiness. Princess nodded her head, albeit somewhat tentatively. I can understand that. I have to think some more about it, but it still doesn't seem fair. At times it certainly doesn't, perhaps even most of the time. I think that's the purpose faith serves in our trials, to give us the assurance that our trials have a greater purpose and will ultimately be a blessing to us if we trust in God and bear them well. Speaking from my own life's experiences, I have gained tremendous blessings from every trial I endured. I wouldn't change any aspect of my life. As near as I can tell, my life, in its present form, is as perfect as it can be. It would terrify me to think of taking some other path that might lead to another outcome in my life. Though it's been hard, it's been my greatest blessing, not the least of which is loving you. Princess smiled, leaned forward, and kissed him on the forehead. You keep reminding me why I love you, she said. However, you do admit that happiness is temporary, and sometimes ends abruptly, even tragically. But you're not afraid of happiness because you believe the outcome of your trials will be wonderful in the end. I can honestly say that I have enjoyed every year of my life more than the one before it. I can also say that each year has been harder than the one before. So just because we're deliriously happy together, you don't fear that it will c- tragically come to an end? It may. Oh, that wasn't the right answer, she cried as she punched him on the shoulder. No, but it's the truth, and the truth of this entire discussion is that no matter what happens, as long as we are faithful and obedient, all things will work together for our eternal happiness. I expect to say that I have enjoyed every year of my life more than the one before, even when I'm a hundred years old. I hope I'm here to hear you say it, she said pointedly. If you aren't, I won't be able to say it, because it won't be the truth anymore. Now, she asserted a beaming smile on her face. That's the right answer.